Hi, this is Chaz Emmerich, and this is the fourth episode of the Strictly Professional podcast. And you can find the other episodes and uh, show notes, etc., at uh, the podcast website at strictlyprofessional.wordpress.com. This episode was recorded on the 17th of December 2009 and is being published today on the 12th of January. So we're setting some kind of podcast publishing latency record here. Um, got a large crew of folks, all of whom you've heard on prior episodes, and uh, we hit all the, uh, the usual talking points, programming languages, iPhone development, uh, preferred browsers these days, and... Uh, uh, there wouldn't be a podcast without some rants on a couple topics. So uh, enjoy yourself. Hope you uh, like the episode. And if you have any comments or questions you'd like us to discuss and or answer on future episodes, uh, go to the website, strictlyprofessional.wordpress.com and uh, post there. And uh, actually, we're on iTunes as well now. So if you want to leave a review or uh, trash us one way or the other, feel free to do that too. All right. Enjoy. So we, we're waiting on Miles? Hmm. Or, or no, this is, this is full crew. Oh, it's full. Okay. No Miles? Huh? How can we I thought you said we had... podcast without Miles. I, mean, I can't count. Yeah, I don't, he, he's, uh, I don't know what he's doing, but... Miles is a busy man. I saw him Tuesday walking with a bunch of other people behind Cooley Dickinson. Hmm. I think he was going to smoke in the boys' room or something. Yeah, he is such a big smoker. And, and he's <laughs> social, too, so... That's it. Yeah. You know, I was... I, I was thinking about something today, bringing it to techie, type land, kind of half-baked thoughts about an iPhone development. I was thinking about this because I was working on a desktop app, and I uh, was fiddling around the other night trying to figure out where this random memory leak was happening, and I finally said, F it, and turned on GC, and consumes a lot less memory all of a sudden. I'm not sure why. It, you know, it's just... Could have been like one of the frameworks I was using. Oh, you can you turn GC can on and off. Turn it off. You can not for the iPhone. I'm talking desktop. Oh, and you have oh. to target Leopard on, which I already was. So I was like, if I'm already doing that, a lot of the stuff I read is just turned off. Is this your Facebook phone? Yeah. GC means garbage collection. I'm gathering. Yes. Yes. And That's kind of a pun there too. Yes. Garbage collection. You're gathering. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, the application pays off. <laughs> but it got me thinking about iPhone development and, like, I mean, one of the things is, you know, and I'm trying to dig in the world of Cocoa and, like, online is just uh, the, uh, the the uh, newbie iPhone development people have just kind of infested everything. So now it's, like, some of the development resources are almost as bad as, like, PHP resources. Just people answering questions just don't know the freaking answers they just mm. this worked for me yeah so. and uh, but the, but the point my point being is is you know there's no gc in um on the iphone not yet maybe there someday and uh a lot of people bitching about all of apple's rules and regulations about what you can and can't do well ignoring the app store stuff just talking about like you know you no know, background processes you know limits on this and that Private API points and stuff. Yeah, like that. you got me thinking, like just thinking, like I don't know, I'm a noob, Cocoa noob, but fairly competent developer, and uh, I'm having a tough time with it on the desktop. Partly because it's the first app I've ever built, so I think yeah, I probably made some fairly mistakes that I'm getting punished for now. But uh, I think it's a really good thing that these limits are in place on my iPhone because you know you know there's a lot of leaky as shit apps that are probably very popular probably some on my iPhone right now that you know I don't even know about because they're in something of a walled garden it's, 
I, I know there are. I mean, I can, I can tell just in using my iPhone, all of a sudden I'll be typing something. I'll be in my SSH term, and I'll hit the first character of what I'm typing, and the letter pops up, and then it just hangs. It's nothing I'm doing, and the phone's not doing anything else. So it's whether it's that app or some other process that's running. And, um, I mean, it, it, as a consumer, I don't like the... The, you know, I don't like not being able to background the process if I'm listening to music. Sure, I want to be able to listen to the music and do something else. But from from an admin side, not necessarily development side, I understand why Apple has those controls because otherwise, people be the support costs would be ridiculous because people would have multiple apps in the background that are leaking like sieves, and um, then they go go to get a phone call and it doesn't work as a yeah. Exactly, and then they're bitching about that. What, is, so. what is, does Google have any of these limitations? Or Palm? No, I, I mean that's that's what's remarkable about about the iPhone is that it's sort of set back development so far because of its model. I mean, both Android and Palm OS, and that's it really. Well, yeah, um, all all those are the, those two are managed platforms. There's always GC. There's always part of it's the. Tr- a, Far more modern, far more modern environment than Objective C and God knows what else they have. For well, part of the trade-off is the fact that when you have the backgrounding tests, uh, things like the Android phones supposedly drain battery That's far true. more quickly than the iPhone um, by having all that stuff going. So you just have to recharge more more frequently. I notice the difference just if I've got Bluetooth on or off. Oh, yeah. I, I use my, oh, yeah. I use my iPhone as my MP3 player when I go to sleep at night, and if I've got Bluetooth on, um, and I'm listening to, you know, audio or music over Wi-Fi, <laughs> that phone's gonna be dead in the morning. Yeah, and if dead I have Bluetooth, yeah, if I have Bluetooth off, it'll last me. I'll be fine. I'll wake up. I'll still have half my battery left. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of driven home for me, like with all my struggles trying to deal with memory leaks. You know, and I'm a noob. I'm Like I said, there's probably some basic stuff I was doing wrong, but <clears throat> I sense that there's many, many far less competent developers <laughs> who have apps out there that, you know, on a platform where turning on the GC switch wasn't is not available to them. But, um, yeah, it's a good thing. So it sounds like it's, uh, you know iPhone development is the is the mobile equivalent of the PHP game. I don't know if I'd go that far. I mean, it's not... You're not dealing <laughs> I'm trying with, to be provocative here. Yeah, you're not dealing with that language, that horrible, awful <coughs> language, but you're... Uh, PHP was never as hard as iPhone or Apple development. No, I mean, it's just I'm just talking about, like, I, I'll go with that for Objective-C as a language. I just mean... The people involved suddenly, but it happened in Rails too. I was involved in Rails development like pretty early on, um, and uh, I remember IRC, all that stuff was just a delight at first. You know, I'm like, go online. It's like DHH was there. I just ask him a question. You're like, yeah, sure. Here's what you do, and then it got popular. <laughs> yeah. Well, now here's a question: How long do you, do you know when that when when the half life of that Really positive environment was because I've been I've been it's a, hard to a, pinpoint you know it just kind of creeps up yeah, well yeah no I, I that's 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 what I I'm driving at because I've been uh, semi constant in the closure channel for about a year and a half and it's still it's better now than it was when I first got there that's gonna have a much slower yeah well, you can have a big barrier than rails yeah yeah I mean well I mean it's got two hundred some odd people in the channel. And, you, you really want to do it. Though. Learn closure in 20, 24 hours. Book comes out. That's yeah. what it. Or, or, or <laughs> ag- I don't or think that book's ever been written. Agile web development with closure. You know, <laughs> it was yeah. just. It was like a massive influx. All of a sudden, it was just like, and all of a sudden, all the core guys just were like, okay, we're screw this crap and we're yeah. Where they went to their own like private invitation only channel, and, and it was just kind of like, oh, no. So like, I think this that sucks. Yeah, I think that pattern repeats over and over. Yes. I mean, I remember in the early days, you know, with MUDs and then MUSHES and then IRC. I mean, there used to be a point in which it wasn't... The, the technical hurdle was high enough that you, you really had to 
it to work just to get there. So that was sort of a, a filter of some sort. And then Slashdot used to have a lot of really good articles, and now it's just kind of a mess. And Reddit, you know, used to have um, some good stuff, and Dig used to have good stuff, and now it's just kind of crazy. It's, you know, Wild West sort of thing. You know, I've been going back to Slashdot. And I have it's too. It's it's, it's better. It's, it's great. It has, yeah, it's well, well, less It's moderated for yeah. because everyone yeah, went to Reddit and slash did. dot to corrosion <laughs> to dig to Reddit to Hacker News, and now I'm starting to go back yeah. to slash dot. Yeah, so I was just thinking about slash dot the other day. Like, I'm like, I haven't looked at slash dot in maybe and a they, couple they, of years. They've now. tweaked a little bit of the stuff, yeah. so they have some actually a good thing now. They have the first line of every reply now oh, under okay. each one, so you can scan the comments. And you know, it's intelligent I, conversations, though, again. I've used Slash that wouldn't have come out in 97, probably since 98. I, I created a user ID, and I forgot that. what it is. No, I had a low And it's on some email address. I have no idea what yeah. the email address is. I don't see mine was my job and address. Uh, I just, I just, yeah, right, I, haven't I, just brought up, I just brought up, I, I, um, I brought up a client, uh, um, Instant Messenger client that I haven't used in a while, an old pigeon, which I never used. And so I just ran it today and I forgot. I've got um, ICQ still, which nobody even uses. You know what my user, my, what my number was? 176965. Um, like, I mean, as of 2001, 2002, they were in like the 1500 millions. And it was gotcha. ridiculous. And I remember when I first got it, I was desperate to get a couple of my friends on it because otherwise. How do you know your ID? I don't know what. Bolted in your head. Yeah, but I can't remember what I had for breakfast. Hmm. I can't remember. Or, well, or, or an email I'm supposed to send tonight. I mean, I mean stupid he, stuff like that. He's a sysadmin, so he's so used to looking at you know sure. process IDs that you know <laughs> short numbers like that are just very. Um, that's the problem. I keep on trying to kill minus nine one seven six nine six five. That's what I'm around minus nine people, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you guys have any forums that you do? Like I've, I never bothered to get my slash ID back, and I've probably lurked there for the last ten years. I've probably posted twice, anonymous coward, yeah. and those always get buried instantaneously. I but the same thing with FARC. I've probably been looking at FARC for whatever, yeah, you know, 10 yeah. years. I don't, I've never created a <laughs> account I never there. have. It's, it's <laughs> just FARC and foodies. I mean, what the heck? What else do you need? <laughs> I only have the Slashdot account so that I could oh, tweak and have it remember how I wanted it displayed. I don't think I've ever commented. I'm not a commenter. I mostly lurk. Um, I have commented on Slashdot. Most of my Slashdot comments uh, have to do with uh, brain-computer interface technology when they appear there. Mm. Um, on Reddit, most of my comments have to do with either another parent trying to get their child into game development, mm. or uh, the, one of the most recent posts I responded to was, <laughs> were new parents going insane wanting different children's music to listen to outside of the standards. I'm like, get some They Might Be Giants. That's really awesome stuff. Or so. Don't Waste Your Time with Children's Music. Yeah. yeah. That's what we did. But <clears throat> Teach the room. I'm going back to Slash Dot tonight. I'm going to check in on the, the old girl. Last week I was looking every article was submitted by Commander Taco. So. Nice! I don't know, if, uh, I don't know how big a staff he's got now. <laughs> I imagine it's contracted a bit. Yeah. Is Andover still around? They got bought out right by Andover. It, yeah, they yeah, that was, I remember that being mildly controversial. And that was a long time what ago. What is Andover? Just a, I don't they know. were a Linux company. That was yeah. the VA Linux, right? Maybe. And, yeah. I don't recall. I just vague memories of. I don't know. Oh, no, they, they're the getting bought out. One of the guys who worked at Whole Foods, they went and worked for Andover doing sales for them. And right. I was annoyed because he had like a big meal with uh, Commander Taco and these guys, and he's like, he doesn't know anything about Linux or Slashdot. I'm like, I want to do it. Yeah. Commander <laughs> <laughs> Taco. You would have been disappointed anyway. Probably. Man, he couldn't live up to reality. That's true. I have a brief rant. Uh, Python on. Macintosh. What a piece of shit. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I, um, I have been uh, 
Windows user for many, many years because that's where the um, clients have been. But last year I switched to, to OS X and got a shiny new laptop. And um, for someone who does a lot of uh, Linux and Unix development, it's an awesome development machine for that. But um, recently I've been wanting to do uh, Python development that involves graphics. Oh, well, yeah, mm -hmm. who knows what that's all about. And getting many things to work on OS X. Like, I have an easier time getting it to work installing it in Linux than I do ha in OS X. It's just, it's well, a pain. Well, that's not surprising, though, is it? Hmm. Yeah. Well, to me it is. Well, there's, there are lots of, there are big differences between FreeBSD. FreeBSD, let alone Apple's FreeBSD mm. and Linux. Are you talking about TK, or are you talking about, like, Cocoa stuff? <clears throat> uh, not Cocoa stuff. I'm not talking about, like, any anything native. I'm talking about PNG libraries. I'm oh, talking like about... The, the image stuff. Yeah, the image stuff. Like, um, recently I've been... Uh, are you trying to do it from source, or are you trying to do it... <clears throat> are you trying to use the Apple Python? Uh, no, no. I, I want to use some, some just cross-platform Python modules to generate graphs or generate mind maps based upon... You know, structural analysis of you know web documents or something. So I know how to make like a, a mind map uh, programmatically uh, in a format called FreeMind, but I want to take that further. I want to make it into um, uh, a service, um, or at least I want to be able to develop it locally on my Mac to turn it into a service so that I can give it a URL and it sort of plots out a fingerprint for the structure of a page. And um, uh, there's some cool things for doing that, um, but like one of the things I was looking at is, is how you rasterize a PDF. And like I found Python libraries for doing things like that, and there's mentions of Go scripts, and then there's like some really cool graphing libraries for Python, which work great in Linux, or I can at least install them. But like trying to get it to work locally on the Mac has just been a pain. I've been pulling my hair out getting some of these graphing libraries to work properly on the Mac, so it's just, you know, I don't, when I'm working on graphics stuff, <laughs> I don't want to have to connect to a remote Linux box and then have to re-download, you know, the, the generated graphics. I want to be able to look at the graphics locally, so, but it's just been... That's where you pull down VirtualBox. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Well, yeah, I have, I have, um, I have VMware Fusion, uh, but... Uh, I'll do yeah, I, I guess that, I guess that is a workaround. I can just do it there. Does Mac Ports have any of those libraries, like Prefile or anything like that? I've had. Oh, now I've got a rant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've had they do problems ports, like regular free BSD ports, or I've had problems yeah, getting Mac so. ports to work. I, I never used it because I haven't had any libraries that. Oh man, Mac ports is Mac ports. It's a minefield. Mac ports is a disaster. Is I installed Mac ports. Do you remember what I was trying to install? I can't even remember what I was trying to install. <laughs> I don't remember, but I just remember... <laughs> so far, did it say hell? You forgot what the... I, I just remember <laughs> hearing, like, oh, yeah, it's been compiling for hours. <laughs> I'm like, what? It was... It was something really trivial. It was... Uh, I can't remember now, but it was... But it was some... Oh, it was... Um, it was uh, AWS Utilities. And I had downloaded... I think I was on the third, because they have, like... You know, they have a bundle for EC2, they have a bundle for S3 stuff... And then someone's got a bundle for RDS stuff, and I said, okay, enough of this downloading thing, I'll just get Mac ports, and, you know, I should be able to just apt-get or whatever the actual command is. <laughs> Man, <laughs> port install. First, the first install of, like, the EC2 utilities, and, like, three hours later, I look back, and it's downloading OpenSSL, which, you know, is available already, but it doesn't link to the one that mm. Apple ships. It downloads... What Amazon Web Services is... I, I downloaded... I installed a bunch of Python AWS stuff, and it was just from source, and it worked mm -hmm. fine. And the regular Python install using some special. This library. this was a. I think it's written in Perl, actually, but but there's some other stuff, and I've been I've been downloading all sorts of other utilities that you know you would otherwise use app use app for, uh -huh. um, and I had been enjoying that on Ubuntu, and thought, hey, well, you know, I'll. Last time I did this, I think, um, what's the other? Fink. Fink, yeah. Last time I did this, Fink was the best one, and then back then, Fink sucked. And so I figured, well, I'll see what the 
best thing is now, which is apparently ports, but in order to compile the simplest thing, it's well, they, well, can, unknown can numbers you do, of hours. Well, can you do... <clears throat> do you have to download the source and compile it? Because That's the way they do it. That's how they do it. For, I, mean, I mean, standard FreeBSD it also has... You can just you can do installs. Like you can do RPM installs. Or you don't have to compile everything. Ports is, ports is hardcore. Download the source and build it right wow. there. Because yep. I know... like Gentle friends, style. Because I know, yeah, because I know friends of mine who used to... They were hardcore FreeBSDers and... You know, there's certain things that I like to use FreeBSD on a server for, but they're hardcore on their desktop. They're doing FreeBSD, and it's like, ah, I just upgraded my desktop 10 minutes ago. Took me 20 minutes. Oh, I'm gonna start. In, I'm gonna start doing mine because it's Friday afternoon. And I want it ready by next Wednesday. <laughs> and it was, you know, they they upgrade their KDE desktop, and it was compiling for four straight days. And yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> I just remember. Yeah, uh, I ran Linux on the desktop for a while. I was a Debian guy, and install would always go quickly. Yep. And you spend like the rest of the day, like you do it in the morning, and be like, "All right, I'm going to have the new GNOME. It's going to be great." And you spend the rest of the day like trying to figure out why the freaking NVIDIA driver didn't work, yep. and then trying to get X Windows configured properly. Yep. It's just like. That's why Ubuntu is really yeah. kind of done. Yeah, now. that's why I just bought my that Mac Mini or the, the uh, Mini 10B or whatever from Dell because yeah. I had it installed. They've got their own uh, subdomain off of who's the what's the company behind Ubuntu? Canonical. 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 They have yep. their own like their own app get repo off yeah. of there. It's like oh, yeah. Dell Mini dot with their drivers. Yeah, and that. all set up. Yeah. So, no driver hell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And NVIDIA is like one of the specs when I'm looking at a laptop, it's got to be NVIDIA. ATI, ATI has come a long way, but NVIDIA, even though it's closed source, they've just they put it out there and they upgrade regularly. Yeah. And it's like the first class is. Yeah, exactly. And um, I just, in fact, I some friends of mine, I've been a KDE user for quite a while, but lately. KDE started the libraries and everything. It started getting really kind of bloated and slow. And some friends of mine have been using GNOME for quite a while. And I thought, eh, you know, I'm going to try the GNOME desktop. But I never, since I installed Kubuntu, everything for Ubuntu and GNOME wasn't there. So, but they make it easy. Add, get, install Ubuntu desktop. Boom. Boom. All the dependencies yeah. are done. Took like 20 minutes. And that was just, most of the time was just the downloading. And... I flip back and I've got my choice. I can go into KDE or GNOME, whatever I feel like doing. And it's speedy. And that between that and Chrome, I've become a Chrome convert. Even I though there's well. still some problems. I, I started using Chrome this week. There's some things it doesn't do yet on the Mac that are annoying. You can't manage your bookmarks, I found out today. I bookmarked something by accident. Luckily it wasn't like porn or anything terrible like that. <laughs> it was just like like oh, I don't want to bookmark that site and there's no way to edit your bookmarks right now. That I I'm sure if I go and it's hack, be a hack, hack, yeah. hack some XML file or something like that, but and, and same I have a life. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't have time to go do that. I was just like, what? Like, where's the button for that? Oh, it's not implemented yet on the Mac. I also have found um, there are two things on Chrome that bother me. One um, is that um, the extensions, the like adblock extensions. The ad block that I use for Firefox is really good, so I don't see ads on pages. Well, I installed the ad block on Chrome, and all of a sudden, I'm, what the heck? Am, why is this here? And I'm starting. Most of the ads are gone, but there's still ads that are there. Let me guess so, where those wow. ads came from. Google. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> but it's like, wow, I haven't seen those in a while. So that's that's one thing that um, bothers me about it. The other thing is, I've got. We have a bunch of sites that are internal websites that are uh, self-signed certificates, so Chrome doesn't recognize it, pops up a warning. Supposedly, I'm supposed to be able to import those certificates and not have to worry about it. In Linux, no, it brings you to a wiki where you have to, you have to do everything manually. You have to import it in the command line. And I love the command line, but when it comes to something like that, I'm going to right-click on the warning and say... You know, like with Firefox, this is okay. Let me do it. Check, check here, and that's done. I don't want to have to go through three different steps in the command line to import it. So I know that'll change because it's still in beta right now for Linux. But I mean, I'm amazed. Firefox after three days was consuming over a gigabyte of memory because I always have like 30 tabs open. Yeah, and it's just like 
it was, it was just dog slow. I'd have to restart my computer to free up that memory. See, I had that problem too until uh, I don't have AdBlock, but I installed FlashBlock. Yeah, that was the problem for me. Yeah. yeah, Flash was just sucking a full core. Yeah, especially on yeah. the Mac. It's yeah. It's, yeah, it's always been that way on the Mac. Flash yeah. is just horrible on the Mac. You well, but with with, with, with <laughs> Chrome, with Chrome, yeah. I mean, you know, I'll have 20, 30 tabs open on on two, three, four different windows and virtual desktops. And after two or three days, I'm using you know 140 gig, 100, 140 megs of RAM. And every window or every tab is a separate process. So if one of them hangs, you close, you kill it. There's actually a task manager for Chrome itself, so you can actually kill each individual tab instead of. Oh, the, you see, somebody released a Firefox plugin that makes each tab a process. Oh really? Because I because I know like Netflix, you know, if you manage your queue, we, we've got the we've got Roku. And if you go to the queue in Roku can be 500 long. And if you go to remove a couple of things in Firefox, after two or three removals, that's it. I might as well just kill the browser. It's dead. In Chrome, I just click, 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 click. It just, it's just so much more efficient. Chrome just came out on the Mac like this week. I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot. And I just realized I wasn't switching back. And today I had my first experience where it might have been Flash or something where all of a sudden, like, oh shit! Like, you know, just start clicking. Nothing's working. I look over at the little. I have that um, iStat menus, which I you can't be on the Mac and not have those, as far as I'm concerned. <coughs> so those are like the little legends up at the middle. Yeah, tell me like how much memory and CPU is being used. I'm like, oh boy, pegging out again. I hit, try to close the tab, and I'm like, oh, I don't. I'm like, oh boy, and then gave it another like ten seconds. The tab, you know, because I told it to close, it finally did close, and everything was back in Firefox or even Safari, and I lost all my tabs. Screw you. You're going to have to force quit this process. So that was like, I like this browser. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I've been using Windows primarily for a long time. Do do they have anything like uh, Firebug? for Chrome, they have the uh, they have the uh, WebKit. <coughs> like if you're on the using Safari, there's kind of that developer tool thing that does a lot of Firebug, but it's not Firebug. Firebug. Yeah. Basically, if I have if I'm developing in JavaScript, then I fire up good old Firefox and Firebug. That's you know Google's got a hundred monkeys working on that right now, so uh, they need to make it as because. I don't. They think have you so many monkeys, it's hard to figure Firebug. out what they would be. Working you can't make on an extension as good as Firebug. On Chrome, as I my rudimentary understanding of yeah, what you can do for extensions can't get into the main. They can only do three different things in Chrome. Not if you're Google. Yeah. <laughs> well, Google will just build it themselves as part of the main application. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, or contribute to WebKit and make the developer tools, which do some cool things that. Those are part of can't WebKit. Do. They're not part. It's of part Safari. of it's part of WebKit. It's not part of Safari because when I fired up the developer tools in uh, Chrome, I'm like, these are the exact same ones as. As Safari, so it's, I guess, apparently part of WebKit. I heard on the nightly builds of uh, WebKit that they've added a ton of shit to the developer tools. It's supposed to be pretty cool. You know, I, I was using, until I switched to Chrome, I was using the nightlies. Yeah. Until you, WebKit, I so I, I haven't paid attention. I, I don't really use it very much because I just use Firebug. Because it's just, I guess I'm just used to it. It's yeah. But there are a couple of little things it does that are nicer. I'm just used to the interface. I have a feeling that if I spent enough time with the WebKit, Safari, Chrome, developer tools, that I could probably do just as much. Um, it's not the same. I mean, I've played with both. And like some of the things, one of my favorite features of Firebug is the whole highlight region and then have it automatically show on the source where that is. Oh, no, I'll do that. In WebKit? Yeah. yeah. Inspect okay. Element? Is Inspect that? Element. Okay. It's kind of a different. You just right click on something. Yeah, it's a different. Yeah, it's a little different paradigm. But um, I don't know if it will like because like I know in Firebug you can hover through the source and it will light up. Oh, okay. So it doesn't do anything until you actually right click on the element. Yeah, you have to kind of be in that mode. I think uh, you know. Well, I don't think it will do the hover thing. <coughs> uh, that's what I'm saying. Firebug does that. I don't think. Yeah, the hover thing is really important because sometimes there's just like you know little. Little borders and stuff that are that I'm like, the element that I want is is in between these two, so it's really hard to find 
where the edges of things are if it's not, you know, hover. I remember having this awesome extension because I, I was doing a lot of scraping at a previous job, and the, I was using some library that used XPath mm-hmm. for this. Oh, like an XPath-like language, and all you have, you could do is just uh, hover the page, and it would give you the XPath expression. Oh, that's uh, awesome! So, yeah, that is to yank that out. Nice. Yeah. Can't remember what that was called. I haven't had to use it again because I liked XPath. <laughs> XPath is awesome. Yeah. I, I don't have to use it very much, but I remember. Oh, except brief fling where uh, some I worked for a place where there was a I had a manager. I haven't had too many of those where it was like helping me make design decisions on some of these things, and decided that the uh, you know well databases are slow. Let's try something where the actual site pulls from XML. <laughs> That's faster. Because then we're not having these database hangs. So, uh... Now you have two problems. Yes. So, so the... Yeah, so it was this thing where the admin itself, like, was all SQL, Postgres. And uh, and then it would write out... You, when you went to publish a site, it would write out the XML files, and the site would read from those live. Why not just... Con- if you're going to do that, why not just output HTML to a static file? Sure. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> did it at least use XSLT? No. <laughs> that wouldn't be an improvement. So how did XSLT you get from XML to HTML? Right, but uh, if the source is uh, I do look XML, you can just transform yeah. it. No, no, I, I look up whatever I needed. familiar with XSLT. I you know, pointed at the XML file, and I would look it up with XPath to get what I needed. Wow. Which, the, le- the level of traffic these sites saw, it was fine. It, yeah, was I mean, it, it was an improvement, actually, because it wasn't running out of database connections. I mean, CPU overhead was kind of crazy, but it was okay, actually. It wasn't. It sounds like a WTF, and I'm sure if it got enough traffic, it would be, but it worked. And it, it was kind of convenient for the client, because they could queue up all their, like, price changes. And then, you know, most of these systems, you have to, like, you know, you're saving, and it's live, you know. This kind of staging changes is kind of like a more advanced thing for a lot of these systems. You could queue up a, a whole bunch of changes and then just go publish. So it, it worked, but uh, yeah, I was using XPath a lot. I didn't mind it. <laughs> I use it all the time with XLT though, which I do mind. Speaking of uh, <coughs> fun browser bugs, I was. I released that uh, Overlytics for like, private beta today, and Lou responds back, I'm not seeing anything. I'm like, all right. Finally, he writes back and says, well, I'm using IE8, so I bring up IE8, and I'm like, oh, you're not seeing anything. <laughs> oh, great. And I'm not doing any kind of weird you know, JavaScript. Anymore, so. It's just IE being IE. But I'm like, oh, great, it's IE8 anyway, because I don't know if you've used developer tools now in IE8. They're actually really nice, the debugger. It's got a really nice debugger. Yeah. Until this problem. I break point on the first line of code, and I hit start debugger, and it chugs for a little bit, and I look over the breakpoint window, and it changed the breakpoint from line one of this file to line 9,700,000,000, at column 18,400,000,000. Mm-hmm. So I restart IE, try it again. Boom. And I go and yeah, take every, somewhere in, I go up these two uh, JavaScript, or jQuery uh, plugins, and somewhere in there it's doing something that is completely locking IE8 up. Wow. Awesome. So, so you didn't have that. any code at column 9 billion? No. Million? Maybe it was super secret code that I wasn't allowed to see. <laughs> I'm so dreading getting back into web development and <laughs> describe. That's really the first time. The only time I ever have problems with IE is I when see. I... No, it's in JavaScript if I accidentally have a hanging, like... Ah, oh, God, those hanging commas. JSON. F-U-I-E. <laughs> it blows up. It's part of the spec. You're allowed to keep leaf trailing commas. You can do that in a million languages. Like, what's the problem? That's I consider that good form. That way, if you go to add more, it's you're, you're yeah. okay. So that's like the only thing I ever have problems with. But IE will choke on that every time. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because you know that just the, the slightest chance of there being some variation, whether it's an IE or Safari or whatever, means that you're going to have to check 
the same damn functionality in 14 different browsers, mm-hmm. and you're going to want to kill yourself at the end of the day. And I'm just not looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, with Chrome, you only have to, you don't have to check in Chrome because no. it works in Safari. It's the same rendering engine. So yeah. That's good. Sort of. I mean, just. Oh, no, no. It's well, the, it's Javas- the JavaScript engine is different. But no, right. That's, that, that's all true. What's the point of what the web? I don't look at that. You don't have this issue. <laughs> Develop for one, that's it. Isn't that, wasn't that the promise of Well, until they got fancy. Fancy schmancy. Y- y- you mean a, a, a bona fide course well, of action isn't just to say you have to use. Such and such a browser for you can do such that and internally. Such. That's why we still have IE6. Let's try to optimize for IE. Oh, oh those are nice. No, what I like even better than the, this site optimize, where you go and it redirects you to a page that says, please upgrade your browser to Netscape or to IE. It's like, well, that used to happen a lot. I'm using a browser uh, that uh, is much more faithful to what the spec is, and you're telling me to upgrade to a crappier browser? Yeah. Or the site best viewed in. By eight hundred by six hundred. I have a plugin that lets me change the the user agent. Yeah. <laughs> and I put in the the IE user agent, and it's like everything worked perfectly fine. Yeah. You know, like, oh, when when I use Conqueror, sometimes I'll use Conqueror, and same thing. I'll go to a page that tells me, ah! and I'll say, no, I'm IE eight on Windows XP. <laughs> That's oh, cool. You rock. Come on. We are the browser you're looking for. I mean, that's, that's just you being a troublemaker. <laughs> I am a troublemaker. <laughs> Actually, I created my own e- user agent, which just says, fuck you, I'll use whatever I want. <laughs> that was and, a, uh, and it lets me into most of these things because it's not recognized. It just it searches it's for only me. looking for Netscape. Or yeah, whatever. exactly. But so you're not kidding. I thought you were like making a little joke there. Oh, no. I actually have made that as my user agent. <laughs> I remember... Uh, I worked with a system, and this was around the time when Firefox, they were still trying to figure out what their name was. Like, they were, they were Phoenix, they were uh, Firebird, you know, it just kept changing. Uh, and someone wrote an extension that would let you randomly generate, that would randomly generate <laughs> your user agent for you. And uh, I remember my system and thought that was just the funniest thing ever and had that plugin installed right away. It was just always, you'd look at analytics and just be like, oh shit, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the different the wacky user agents he chose this week. <laughs> Snapdragon. Oh, oh it picked from a you know five like thousand word list or something. Yeah, that's some kind of like yeah. That probably generated hours and hours of debugging work and multiple <laughs> developers all around. So that was your own little stimulus it? package. Yeah. Man years wasted. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I remember with IE six, it's just recently, very recently. And we're, you know, some big clients of ours have been like, all right, screw it. We're good. You don't need to test for IE6 anymore. Until, you know, the random executive who's yeah. using it says. But I got pretty good at debugging JavaScript in IE6. Like, there are tools. They're kind of crude, but you can get in there. And <sighs> if you've got the tenacity and the right tools. Well, if you have the whole Microsoft, <coughs> Microsoft stack, is when I remember when I had Visual C 2003 installed. Whenever we breakpoint, it would break and then open up into yeah Visual Studio. Studio host stuff. But but then there's like yeah, and then there's like <coughs> but there's this like it's very it's like you have to dig on your you know your office disk somewhere. There's like this JavaScript debugger that will kind of let you yeah. do all that stuff. But it's like a pain in the ass to find. Yes. And uh, if you have that, and then there's some couple other tools you can use. You can learn to ignore line numbers. Yeah, those line <laughs> numbers mean. Well, well, they just treat it as yeah. four thousand ninety. Well, they just treat it as one giant file. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, I had it happening for a while, and I would remember like wanting to cry when it would trigger the Visual Studio debugger when yeah. I was like trying to do something. Like, no, don't load it; it'll take you five I, I minutes. I installed Visual Studio because of that. I couldn't figure out how to, how to get uh, that dependency out of there. Yeah, I changed I one thing. Doing desktop development. So like, yeah, I changed one thing one time and never figured out how to disable it. I'm like, ah, I do not want Visual Studio to pop up when I when there's a JavaScript error on someone's random page. Oh. But there's but there's always going to be a browser like that. There's always going to be an ugly baby, whether it's IE7 <laughs> or Safari 2 or Firefox, whatever. There's always going to be some browser that's behind the curve, but you still mm-hmm. need to support, and you're going to still beat your head into the wall trying to support it. Yep. That's how everything uses WebKit. 
I lately I'm just like, why can't everybody just use WebKit? It's free. It's awesome. I don't get why Microsoft puts money into. How how does that generate income for them? They won't be. I'm sure that after IEA, they're just going <laughs> to. I mean, they have the whole strategy of tying the into the desktop, you know, active desktop and all that. Yeah. But is that working? I mean, like, how, how, <laughs> yeah, how do people work? use that? Well, they had to take that out after the uh, the loss. The loss the There's still a lot of Internet thing. ActiveX stuff, though, right? Yeah, yeah but you can layer ActiveX on top of WebKit. That's orthogonal. That's true. Um, I, there, I there, remember reading, maybe it was just pure rumor mongering, but some there were some pe- people who thought that before IE came out and they were just like, here, it's business as usual, that, like, they were hinting at maybe looking at what there was a there was an actual comment from a real Microsoft person that said that they were looking at doing that in the future. And is he still working at Microsoft? Uh, it was some it was some non it was a named you know right official maybe, person. Oh okay. There are a lot of different entities using WebKit now. Like not just it's not just Apple being the big name that was you know. Now Google's in there, and well, all this, these cell phone carriers. <coughs> well, when I was when I had my Windows desktop, um, I was using Chrome, and I was I was psyched that Chrome used WebKit because it was before they had released Safari for Windows. Right. Um, so I was using that um, back when I was using uh, I can't remember the name of it, but basically the iPhone development tools that I can basically make an app using HTML and Java JavaScript. So I was using Chrome for prototyping since it uses right. WebKit, which is the same thing that Safari uses and Safari on the iPhone uses. Right. There's a, yeah, there was all that talk in the last week or so about how long. <laughs> Screw the app store process. Just do it in HTML. Yeah, Bye. so I find that hilarious. Which is what they were saying originally. Which is what, yeah, the original plan was and everybody... I mean, all you need is some CSS and then if they just opened up some JavaScript API and also you can can demonstrate work to clients remotely easily. Yeah. You know, that provisioning. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of the special do this thing to upload this to your iPhone. Yeah, which is is a nightmare. Mm. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure there are people who do it all the time now who, who, you know, have it figured out, but having tried it once or twice, ugh, yeah, it's not, it's our, not our, uh, our app just hit the app store, you see that? Finally, wow. Yeah. What app? What's your app? Uh, for Tierra, we Tierra. called, it was just one, it's, it was, so, one so of us is, is really just to get us through the entire process of developing one and getting on the store and so, because we're doing one for a client right now, but it's called I Didn't, it's for a free app, you basically, it's got a couple spinners on it, you How's it work? It's something you did, you didn't do, and then it's like a verb and a noun spinner, and then you press the button. Oh, I didn't look. <laughs> I didn't, uh, you know, drink beer during a podcast. And then you hit the button, you get his, and then you can sign it up and it posts to your Twitter or Facebook, Facebook or right. and keep track of these things. So there's a it's just now you have to come up with, oh no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, uh, I came across, there's an app for the iPhone. That will transmit the, the the touch information and the tilting information and the compass information to the iPhone um, emulator uh, for development, which is cool because because mm. yeah, you can't touch that. In the yeah, because you can't touch the pressure sensitive or the tilting stuff easily when you're doing the development on the desktop. So uh, so it just transmits it on on a real one. So that's pretty cool. I can't remember what it's called, but it does exist. There is an O. No, you didn't. What's there? Yeah, I, I don't see the. Uh, I think I think there are some people. Some of these apps I've seen, they have like they should be considering doing them as web apps. But I think anything cool, that's not going to work. So there is an O. Oh, no, you didn't. Yes, there is. That is that is a saturated in free, market. In free. <laughs> that is and a saturated in paid market. format. What's the paid format get you? <coughs> no ads. 
<laughs> so you can say, oh no, you didn't with no ads. <laughs> so, oh no, you didn't ads. Oh, oh wow. Wow. Um, I was surprised that the centuries of some man of, of, uh, of apps. Uh, yeah, this advanced technology. I mean, a room full of computing power in here, so that you can have it say, "Oh no, you didn't," without an ad. Well, you know, twenty twenty five thousand uh, twenty five hundred dollars to go. But um, boom. So. Well, that's only one minor thing that it yeah. does. He no can course. also do other sounds. <laughs> 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 and look at Reddit. <laughs> um, I was surprised uh, this week to find, um, and I, I tweeted about it, uh, that I can pick up a number of books, like five bucks, that are reference books on the iPhone, that normally cost like thirty bucks to buy the, the hard, the hardcover edition. There's like Learning Python and a Python Cookbook. I was just surprised that you can pick this stuff Did up. Did you try bucks. to download it? Uh, no, no, I haven't bought any. Because I know, like, for example, I've got one of the programs, I've got a stanza, and yeah. in one of the, um, which I like, I've got, there's some yeah, books my that favorite I have book. that I really like that are free, actually. Um, but I went and I looked, and supposedly you can download a couple of the different Python books when I actually went to try to debt for free. When I actually went to try to download it, I got an error. Well, they have, these are, <coughs> these are the books converted yes. into an app. Yeah, that's and oh, it has oh, an yes. index and it has yes. a search function mm-hmm. and I all of that those, stuff. But I'm I cheap. think that's I was kind looking of, for the free one. Kind of a goofy <laughs> model for apps. But uh, one thing I like pragmatic programmers do, which is really nice, is that if you buy their electronic book, you have access to the EPUB oh, nice. as well. And uh, Stanza and free. Um, we'll read those. So I have a bunch of random, just all the ones I happen to buy on ebook, which. I'm starting to get away from the paper for any sort of reference now. Just all ebook because I, I can search it. I can for novels. I like. I want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for ebooks, I want to. Yeah, exactly. So for anything technical, I want it on my. I wish I laptop. could get away from the paper. I just I cannot absorb the information the same way as when I have a physical. Book. Well, I don't do that. I don't do it for books where I need to sit down and read it like that. I do it for things where I'm like, you know, for. Like objectives, how do I do blah blah blah? Okay, fire it up in preview and search. Since you're here, that's a good topic. Hmm. What do you think of the Python moratorium? Uh, the Python moratorium. The 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 language change moratorium. Um, I don't think that's a bad idea, but. Uh, I'm sticking with Python 2.6 uh, for the moment because I want uh, Python uh, 3 libraries and utilities to catch up. Um, there's you know there's a number of modules that haven't been ported over to Python 3. So um, and I also I use Jython. So uh, a moratorium would be an opportunity for the other languages that you know implement. Um, or use versions of Python to actually catch up. So I'm actually for the moratorium. Um, and I'm not even, you know, I don't intend to even touch Python 3.0 uh, for another year or two before I'd feel comfortable because um, we've recently, quote, standardized on Python 2.6 for our production software. Um, we were using Python uh, 2.5 before for the longest time. And then we have some subsystems that have to use Python 2.3, which strikes me nuts. Um, but yeah, that's that's something I'm I'm completely fine with. Um, uh, Python 2.6 has some really awesome features. Uh, Python 3.0 has, um, you know, they cleaned up a lot of the way modules are organized, and they they put things in sensible places, um, and they added some new features, but. I am pretty happy with Python 2.6 functionality, and I know that, um, I think I read that there will be a Python 2.7, but it just kind of like fixes over uh, Python 2.6 stuff, so. Um, did they say how long the moratorium is going to be for? It's indefinite, I guess. Yeah. Speaking of languages, did you get any uh, link love with your uh, uh, sponsorship of Rich? 
Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw it on the yeah, the sponsor page of the first one on the right here. Uh, logo is the first one up there. Yeah, it's not alphabetical. I think he's just doing it in the order of when people made the commitments. I mean, I I had been trying to get him to do something like that, or asking him, you know, what the plan was because he had said something about how you know he had been he's been on some sabbatical essentially for two years, two and a half years, and I said, well, what are you going to do? Uh, because obviously that's not sustainable. Um, and so it was an easy thing to do to say, well, we can commit to this, and I guess that's the ordering that he's using. They have a chart that shows, like, uh, a graph towards some goal. Yeah. Do you, I, I read through the, the page a couple times, and I didn't see what the end goal was. Well, no, I mean, it's, listed? no, it, it's a, it's, it's not, and it's a, it's a little weird insofar as I mean, it's there's no nonprofit, there's no not, no foundation with a specific goal. That's really what he needs to, what he thinks he needs to live on mm-hmm. for the next year. And so, if he put a goal up there, I mean, that's sort of like, I yeah, mean, kind of stay. Yeah. If I was standard of living to up there to the world, yeah. it's kind of private. Yeah, I don't ah, think I would okay. want to broadcast my personal finances to that degree. So. Is there a website that we could go to to look at this? Uh, closure.org slash whatever. Oh, okay. There's a there's a link to sponsor the uh, current the current. Closure's uh, one of those things like closure.org slash funders is the list of all okay. people who have contributed. I've only used it to play with and. I'm half tempted to throw him a few bucks because just I like what he's doing. But how long do you think like that needs to be his full time job? Like how much? How much like more work does the language sphere need? Well, for it to be someone's full time, you know. When will there be a moratorium? What did Guido do before he went to Google? Did he have uh, Guido had all sorts of sponsors. He would he worked for I think Zope was the first ones that uh, basically underwrote him. I don't know what his mix was. I mean, uh, I know at least one organization offered or not offered, but there was some talk, brief talk of some organization basically hiring Rich Hickey to be an employee. But then it wouldn't be oh just go work on closure. It would be some split, mm-hmm. and you know he wants to work on the language that he's been building. Um, I don't know what Guido's arrangement has been either at Zope or after that I think it was Active State that underwrote him. Hmm. But uh, but but at Google he's doing more than just language development, he's doing I have to imagine, yeah. yeah. Well he did the whole code review system, right? Yeah. Well, he was working on the app engine as well. Yeah. Oh I mean he built the code I forgot what the name that is, their distributed code review system. It seems to me naively that you know Python's at the point where it doesn't really. I mean, there are a lot of people contributing, but it doesn't seem like it actively requires the kind of attention. Yeah, that I mean, that's probably a, still does because it's still yeah in its infancy. Maybe it's toddlerhood. I don't know. Yeah, I mean the I mean Python is is has sort of been a completed vision for a while, and actually, if you look at the developments, it was really basically done in you know, broad strokes with um, probably the uh, type class unification. I mean, that's 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 what I would peg it at. After that, everything has sort sort of been incremental. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, closure, though, there's so much that right. could be done, um, and and more more broadly in terms of JVM language support, uh, so that you could have a you know fully, as they say, polyglot environment in terms of having. Uh, Interdependent uh, uh, compilation dependencies between multiple languages and uh, things like that. There's tons of stuff that needs to be done to make that a really uh, first-class environment. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, uh, productionizing so that I mean, for for real adoption, um, you know, right now I know they're they they have a lot of the early adopters. How long has it been around? It's uh, well, by what definition? It was it, it it became public about a year and three quarters ago. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, I think that there's needed polish, and there's there's needed things that have to be done to help something that's the sort of you know fledgling along, so that it can get the wider adoption. So, 
if he can just focus solely on this and isn't interrupted by his day job or whatever, you know, I think it's going to, you know, the next year or so of work that he does can leap forward um, by quite a bit. Uh, it can move by quite a bit um, with an uninterrupted focus on it. So uh, I think that he can take care of a lot of the rough edges. And I'm not very familiar with closure. I know Miles is... He uses it a lot, and he's using it in production environments. But it's one of the, the metrics I look at. Um, having large scalable architecture is just like, you know, how stable is this? You know, what are the rough edges? What things are still changing? So um, if he can work on it and make things more stable and add better docs, although the current docs are pretty good, right? It's remarkably comprehensive. Yeah, so it's just a kind of the polishing, uh, addressing some of the issues that haven't, that haven't been touched yet. You know. Well, I mean, there's a, there's the, there's a lot of higher level stuff that is on the docket too, like a like a generalized abstraction for sequences and uh, for uh, cubes, sorry, um, so that you could, for example, treat a uh, JMSQ or a uh, SQSQ or a in memory queue as the same abstract. Oh, okay. Collection. What are some of the other big things that people are waiting for for closure? I don't know. There's a there's a there's a whole list of to dos essentially. I'm waiting for them to get rid of that whole list plate syntax. Yeah, <laughs> that would be a big. <laughs> well, you know, I was gonna bring, I was gonna bring that up. I, 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 we'll be on fingernails. Wh- like, what do you what do you think you're gonna? You know, that's the thing I always wonder about that because I mean, I, I'm, I'm someone who like enjoys that syntax and finds that. That maps well to my mind. I, I kind of wish I was working on a bunch like that day to day. But is that always is that always like an impediment to like really wide scale adoption? That that the wispy syntax. I, I don't know. I think, is it? I think it is. I I think like. Which you know, why the IRC channel that you talked about has not been polluted by a bunch of. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, maybe it's a good thing, but I I don't know. I mean, I just feel like. It's an educational thing. Everybody gets exposed to um, um, imperative programming. You know, that's kind of like, well, this is what programming is, as their first thing. And I, I don't think that, you know, that kind of functional, wispy kind of thing, it's, to me, it's it's a slightly, you know, it's just looking at it from a different angle. And, and, and if you can wrap your mind around it, if you dive into it, it to me, it's easier in a lot of ways. That's why, I, you know, I, I, I kind of joke about it, but I am going to try to do a project in it in January just because it is new and it'll, it, it'll train me to it, think it, differently. It absolutely will, I think. Like, just even when you go back to, like, more imperative stuff, you'll you'll think about things differently. Well, I mean, the, just complete non sequitur. Mm-hmm. I just noticed mm-hmm. that half of the room, exactly half of the room, divided down the middle, are people that are not wearing hats. And the other half <laughs> of the room are people also wearing known hats. as the cool half of the room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Starbucks. I can go get my hat. And then oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm well, done with my nonsense. Well, in what direction you divide your hat? I right here, longitudinally. But the but but the whole thing about it being a lisp is, uh, you know, maybe maybe that isn't that is more. Oh wow, that's why people are moving around because it's freaking late. Time to go. Um, there you go. There we go. I uh, guess it is less approachable for some population of developers. I mean, obviously it is because people have been hating on Lispy stuff for decades. Yeah. Um, but I suppose, I mean, there's a there's a you know the uh, smug Lisp weenie is 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 alive and well, but in a milder version. Insofar as you know, no one's gonna you know apologize for closure being a Lisp. Because it has undeniable benefits in the in the way things have been able to progress, the degree of progress from you know whatever state it appeared in to now, compared to any curly brace language that's on the JVM, if you want to take a, a, a baseline yeah, standard, well, is remarkable. You don't have to worry about syntax, basically. What's that? You don't really have to worry about syntax. Although they do have the you know brace. That's the that's brackets and that's that's the smallest thing. I mean the 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 syntax is minor. The fact that it's uh, homo iconic and you can have 
you know, composable macros, for example, is remarkably powerful. And you can make it so that the language is, you know, going back to Paul Graham for crying out loud, you can build language up to where your problem is as opposed to building all that crap uh, scaffolding on top of it in order to, to, on top of a lesser language in order to do your work. Um, I mean, I look at the absurdities that people go through for, like, testing frameworks in Java uh, with the magic annotations and, you know, action at a distance stuff that's going on uh, compared to the standard test framework in Clojure, which is incredibly simple but gets you essentially all the same functionality. And Well, according to XYCK, the universe was coded in Lisp. <laughs> So, you know, so, you know, a bunch of wusses out there. Yeah, the, the, the comic. Because yeah, yeah. God uses Lisp. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah, a bunch of wusses and go out there and learn a Lisp. <laughs> It'll make you better. Grow go out and learn a Lisp? Do <laughs> what? It'll yeah. grow hair in your chest. <laughs> you guys didn't have to build Lisp in college? That was like the first thing we did in a programming language class. Was I had my associate's degree in most of the stuff. I didn't really have much of that. Hedge yeah. wizard. So. I spent I a lot of spin Pascal. I do. Ooh, it was simple. I did yeah, yeah, yeah. No. One, one assignments thing. You had to write car and cooter, and I think like four operations, and you have a core list. But you can write anything else in. We we had to like, and it was actually pretty quick on the. I think it was on a like Tandy one thousand SX. We had to implement like. <laughs> then we had like three assignments after that using your list to do other assignments. <laughs> we had to build up other systems in lists. So we had to create like an object oriented. System in Lisp. So build up like an imperative system in Lisp. Just to, so it was kind of no, it was the opposite. <laughs> All right, I'm 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 cutting this off because uh, we're gonna 